For the last couple of months, I start praying and doing some readings and observations of what to share today. And uh, last week, I got some ideas what to share. But for some reason, I work hard and pray hard. And usually what I learned from some readings and observation, a sermon should have at least three points. For some reason, last night, I got three introductions and two points without conclusion. And until this morning, I'm still working with my second point. And now, I still don't have the conclusion. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm blessed with the message of Pastor Michael Reed last uh, Sunday. Uh, I didn't follow the whole sermon, as I felt it's a really, really amazing message for us. But I remember one, one thing, one statement, one praise. Please be patient. God is not finished yet. I don't know if those of you who have been here, if you remember that phrase. Be patient. God is not finished yet. And so, if I end up not finishing the sermon today, I know God is not finished yet. You're going home. And we'll try to finish the message today. That's the first introduction. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I try to think about that, that statement going home, and, and sometimes I couldn't understand that. I, I, like when I see, when I look at the, the babies, the little children, it's, it's easy to understand that, you know, please be patient. If you see our youth, you know, um, starting to uh, lead ministry or working once in a while, today, okay, tomorrow, no. It, it's, it's easy to understand that we have to be patient. God is not finished yet. But when, when I look at, let's say, um, Let's say I look at Pastor Matt and his family has been here for three years now. A lot of things are uh, getting well done, but there's still lots of things that we need to do. And sometimes, oh, three years already. Sometimes it's hard to understand. Be patient. God is not finished yet. I look at myself. Next month I'll be 55. I started my first message as, as a youth leader at the age of 16. And that was about, what, 39 years ago. And here am I. I, I don't know how many messages I was able to share and deliver. And I can come up with three points. Sometimes it's hard to understand, but 
Yes. Be patient. God is not finished yet. And I remember Pastor Bob was here two weeks ago. I don't know. I know Pastor Bob has been like uh, ministered this church for, for about 20 years, 19 years, something like that. 20 years. Maybe he'd been a pastor in some other church. He worked in some other ministries. I don't know how long, but he's retired now for about three years. It's hard to understand that praise. Be patient. God is not finished yet. And I look at the church. I look at our church. Was it Will it be next year that this church will be a hundred years old? Two years. In two years, this church will be hundred years old. Can you just imagine that? Just think about that. Please be patient for a 98 years old church. God is not finished yet. That's my second introduction. Anyway, supposed to enjoy. This is the first Sunday of summer. Supposed to be what the summer is supposed to be. I know summer is a lot of people, they can't wait. When I turn on the TV this morning, look at the weather, and I see this doesn't look like summer. It's wet, rain, it's flooding everywhere, and whether you're talking about Europe, Asia, I think here in Canada, Calgary, Alberta, is in the news. Downtown is flooded. Supposed to be not like that. We're supposed to be traveling. You know, usually, end of summer, the end of June, schools finish. We pack our staff, families, individuals, get ready, ready for a long vacation. Go as far as we can. Camping. Churches are shrinking. Attendance is going down. Students going back to their home cities and towns. And um, not only that, plane tickets skyrocketed. Gas price go high. This is summer. For us, we, our family had a chance to go travel. We travel. And uh, usually we travel every two years, mostly in the Philippines. And that's, it's not easy to travel to the Philippines. You have to transfer three or four planes from here to Toronto, an hour from Toronto to Vancouver, another, what, about four hours Vancouver to Japan or Hong Kong or South Korea, that's 11, 
to 12 hours in the plane, Korea to Philippines, or Japan to Philippines, that's about four hours in the plane. Depends where you are going in, in the Philippines, maybe another plane. That's long, 24 hours. Two continents. And 12 hours difference in time zone. So right now, it's 11.35 there in the evening. But in any way, we still go. We go out, we travel. But our recent travel three, we three weeks ago is, is a different one. We traveled for 36 hours, one overnight in the middle. But this time, it's, it's a different one because the time zone didn't change. It's the same time zone as in Ottawa. We traveled 2,400 kilometers. So when I look at it, I think my first thought is, is far. But when I look at the map, it's that close. And that's the thing I found out, that when we travel, sometimes we lost the sense of distance. The same way in our spiritual journey, sometimes we lost the sense of distance. I felt like I'd been that far already. 39 years in the ministry, I felt like the church has been that far already. 99 years in existence. And yet to God, still close. Be patient. God is not finished yet. Just imagine that. Anyway, yeah, we lost the sense of, of distance. Especially when we use our modern gadgets. Sometimes the far away seems so close. For example, before we left Ottawa to Florida, I get the GPS, punch the address, 2,400 kilometers, two seconds, boom, you're there. That close. I use my cell phone, call my mom or text my mom back in the other side of the world. Happy birthday, mom. Three seconds. Thank you. Would you like to lunch here? Get your lunch with us here? Just like that. It's just like you're talking to somebody who is just right close to you. It's so far away. It's on the other side of the world. Using my laptop, the internet, going to a program website called Skype. Just ring it. Picture there will appear as if you're just talking to the guy beside you. Even they are in the, on the other side of the world, in another country, in another place. 
and you're just talking, talking to them, chat with them. You show what's going on in your house. You look, look at the food, look at the mess, look at the snow. Say, say, wow. And then, same thing. It's summer there. Nice weather. Just like that. Things that so far becomes too close and things that are so close sometimes becomes too far. But in the Bible, that happened too. And today, this morning, we will look into a story where something that is so close and yet too far. We look into the verse, two verses in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verses 31 and 32. Luke chapter 15, 31 and 32. And before we read it, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask you to open our eyes and our minds as we ponder your words. Open our hearts that we may be able to see what you want for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 15, verses 31 and 32. And this is what you can read there. My son, the father said, You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead. And he is alive again. He was lost. And is found. Okay, this, these verses are, or it's, it's part of the story of the, the prodigal son. So I, I won't go much into the details and expose every verses of the story. Um, because I, I know, uh, Pastor Matt is working on the uh, Gospel of Luke for a while now, and he might stumble on these verses, on these stories, so uh, he can still uh, expose this, um, probably on a different perspective. But today, I, I just want to focus on a couple of points. It's two points. Uh, the first is I just want to have a, 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 a brief summary of, of what the story is all, is all about. Uh, first, this is a story about the prodigal son. It's, it's a young guy, a young son, who asks his dad to give him a share of his inheritance. Then 
He went away, distant country, he squandered all the shares of his wealth. And when he runs out of money, he worked as a hired laborer in another farm and then end later eating with animals, animal food. And then he realized the situation. He told to himself, something is wrong. So, come to his senses. He remembers his father. And he decided to return home. Not as a son anymore. But he said, since I've been working as a hired laborer in this farm, another country, maybe I can do it on my father's farm. At one point, that's why it's called the prodigal son, or popularly known as the story of the prodigal son. But at one point, this is also a story of a loving father. A father who loves like God. God. A father who waited for a long time of his sons coming back a father who come down to reconcile his child to himself with feast, with celebration. A father who has a heart ready to handle grace, forgiveness, and restoration. And not only that, this is also a story, not just of the prodigal son, not just of a loving father, but also a story of an older brother who stayed with his dad, working closely in the farm, working like a slave. And yet, looks like he's very far away from his dad when he rejected his younger brother who came back. So in verse 28, we'll read, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered to his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a younger goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with, with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. A brother had so much anger, a brother who had so much resentment and complaint. And then we come to this couple of verses, which is the response of the father. And saying, my son, tells the older brother, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Number one point like to raise is this. 
that we can be very far away from God and yet be very near. What does this mean? Being very far away and yet be very near. So think about the younger brother. First thing, he reject, rejected his home by going away. So it's not a simple vacation like what we do during the summer. Because when we go for a vacation, you fix everything first before you leave. You see to it that when you come back, everything is okay. Second, you're planning to come back. Just go for vacation, enjoy for a while, and then come back refreshed. This guy, this younger son, is different. He has no plan to come back. In fact, he is bringing all his share. Father, give me back my share. Give me my share. I'm leaving. That's it. Second, he has no plan at all. Just go there, distant country, far away, far away from home. Leave behind everything except his share. That's not a good way if you're on the right mind. I was just thinking because there are two sons here, two children here, the younger, the youngest, and the eldest. So usually in the Middle East, when you ask for inheritance or when you divide in the inheritance, usually the eldest gets a double portion of the inheritance. And so the others get one portion each. And in this case, the youngest one gets one portion, and supposed to be the eldest get two portions. And so if had the eldest asked for his share, nothing will be left with their dad. Their dad will be living in the street for sure. And so this is, this is not a good action on the part of the younger brother. It is very unlikely for you to ask your chair. You don't want your father to be left with nothing. That's why usually inheritance is divided when the parents died. But in this case, the father is still alive. And so by asking his inheritance, it's just like telling, telling indirectly the father, I want you to be dead by now. I want you to die now. That's what it means. So what the younger son did is very hurtful. Very hurtful. It's, it's so selfish. It's so offensive to his dad and to his 
family. He didn't think of what his father would say before asking it. He didn't think of what his brother will, will feel before asking it. He didn't care. What he did is a complete rejection of his home and even the community that he grew up. And then his out-of-control spending. I think it's, it's, it's a total disregard of the values that his dad handed on to him. He went in a faraway country. Verses 13 and 14 says that he went to a distant country and lived like as if one day millionaire. And then suddenly he finds himself with nothing. So he's that far in terms of distance, in terms of space. He is that far, far away from his dad and his family, his brother. They can't reach him. But it's not only that. He's far in terms of relationship. When that happened, when the moment he asked for his inheritance, it's like he lost his sonship. He doesn't consider anymore that he is the son. He is one of the sons. He doesn't consider anymore that he is a member of the family. And so it's not just the distance. It's the relationship. He lost his values out of spending. He doesn't consider anymore himself as a family who grew up and uh, had been nurtured in that family to take care of what you have, of your assets. He doesn't understand any more responsibility. He doesn't understand any more about morality, about what really life is. Until a time where he lost everything. He had nothing. And then he decided to fill his needs. But nobody looks like nobody cares about him. So it's a sense of separation. And so he was forced to work in the farm. He was forced to work as hired labor of another country. And it's not even enough to fill his need. He turned on to the animals, pigs, in the farm that he is feeding and eat with them. Eat their food. Until he realized the situation. This is not good. I am wrong. I made mistakes. And then he remembers where he came from. He remembered the farm of his father. He remembered that there are also hired servants 
in their farm. And at this time, come to his senses, I had to go back. I had to return. And so from there, for the first time, he makes some kind of plan. This is my plan. This is what I'm going to do. I'll return. I'll go back. And this is what I'm going to tell my dad. Father, I have seen against heaven and against you. That's in verse 21. That's the plan. I have seen against heaven. I have seen against you. He's not going there to consider him as a son again. He's not going there to recover his sonship. His plan is just to go there. And maybe his dad will give him a chance to work in his farm as another hired servant. You know, there are different degree of, of servanthood or, or servants in uh, usually uh, in the ancient time. Uh, there is a, a band servant where you are so close to the family. You know, there is a, a, a the, the head of the family, the father, and then there are the the the, uh, the sons. Uh, all there, some are working, some are overseers, but they work so closely in the family. And then there are uh, the, the band servants are the one who, clo- who work closely to the family. They can talk to the fam- pa- family, they can mingle with the family. Some of them are overseers. But they are also servants. They're so close. And then they can hire other servants as well, other workers as well. And these hired servants are the ones working in the farm. He doesn't, he's not looking to become one of the sons again. He lost. He's not looking to become the close uh, servant to the family, who's working with the family. He just wants to be a hired servant, working there in the farm. That's all he wants. But when he got home, or before he got home, his dad just learned the news of his return. And before he was able to finish what he wants to say, the dad just cut him off from there. Call the other servant. Okay, get a fattened cow, kill it, repair, get a band, get the best robe, get the ring. We will have a celebration. Prepare for a feast. Prepare for a celebration. Because my son, who was dead, is now alive again. My son, who was lost, now is found. But the, what happened to the son is he comes back to look for a job. But what he found is compassion. He found, he found grace 
he found acceptance. He found forgiveness. He found restoration. Sometimes we're kind of lost in many ways. And we find ourselves really far away. Far away from the people we love. as if there's really a big separation. But it only requires one thing, the turning back. The turning back and the realization that we made mistakes. As in 1 John 5, 9, and says, if we confess our sin, or 1 John 1, 9, we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. It's the same way. It's the same uh, when, uh, with our relationship with the Lord. It's the same thing. And you know, when that happens, when that happens, the turning back, I can't just imagine the celebration the celebration in heaven. The celebration among the family of God. Two weeks ago, we have, we attended, or two or three weeks ago, we're, we're so busy, I can't remember what's happening in our family, but about two weeks ago, we, we attended a case uh, uh, graduation ceremony the Ottawa University. And uh, um, that's um, the last time I attended a, a graduation ceremony was when I graduated in, the, in college about 34 years ago. And it's, it's, it's a different kind of celebration. It's a uh, 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 there's so much peace. There's so much celebration. There were whistling and shouting and screaming. Uh, but I, I still remember at that time. But for me at that time, it's, it's a different feeling. It's, it's, a, it's a feeling that, that's coming within because I'm one of the graduates. So it's, it's more of a, of a self-accomplishment. Hey, after four years, I've done it. After four years of the struggle, maybe one after some cheating and some cutting of classes, I've done it. There's peace, there's celebration in there. But I mean, it's a different kind because I'm, I'm the one who graduates. But this year, it's, it's a different celebration because I'm sitting there as a parent. And so, but it's the same thing that's happening. There's shouting and there's screaming and there's whistling and, and, and clapping of hands. And, and every time a name is called on the stage, like, you know, clapping and whistling and the friends and I don't know who's there. But 
there's one thing that caught my attention. You know, when one name is called. And, you know, when that name is called, there's a voice on the third level of the gallery shouting, Hey, that's my son! And he didn't only say that one time or two times. He said it three times. That's my son! The gallery is probably, I don't know, about 3,000, 4,000 people. You know, from that third gallery to that stage is about 150 meters that far. But when the guy say that word, say that statement, that's my son, I felt like he's so close to his son. I felt like, you know, I don't, I, I, I didn't know this person. I don't even know their, I, I didn't even remember the, the name of the person that was, of the graduates. I just hear the voice. But I assume that his son made some mistakes as well. I assume that his son in four years or five years, I don't even know how long he's been there in the university to take whatever course he made. I assume that he also cut classes maybe once. I assume that he has been late. I assume that one time, in one day, his father asked him to do something and he said, no. I mean, I assume that this guy is not a perfect guy. But on that day of celebration, he's very proud. Very proud as a father. He forget everything, all the mistakes. He doesn't care what happened to his son. He's proud to tell everybody, hey, that's my son. And this is what happened. Acceptance passion, forgiveness, restoration. Everything is there. And so no matter how far we are, whether in distance, whether in, in uh, relationship, we can be very, very close to God when we turn around. This morning... How far are you? How far are you from your family, from, from your parents, each other? Just turn around. Second point is that we can be very close to God and yet be very far. It doesn't take long to explain our second point. Just look at the older brother. See this older brother. He said in verse, 20, in verse 28, this is what happened. The older brother came angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. 
But he answered his father, Look, all these years, I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat and I could celebrate with my friends. See how close he is? While he's not that really close in a sense that he's always stayed, he always stayed in the house. It looks like the house is a little bit away from the farm. So what he does is he always go to the farm. He's the overseer of the farm. It looks like he always see to it that what his father wants in the farm, he always tell the uh, everybody, all the workers, this is what my dad wants. This is what his order. Let's do it. So he spent the day in the farm. He is that far. But he is so close to his dad that every night, every end of the day, he comes home and stay with his father. Is that close? Is that close in the sense that he always obeys his father's will? In that sense that he is always there and uh, 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 ready to follow orders and work like a slave. That's what the, the verse tells us. And then one day he came home. But before coming home, he heard the news. It's not only hearing the news, but he felt like there's something different. He felt like uh, the, there's, there's some kind of dancing and singing and partying. And hey, what's going on? And so he asked the people, what's going on? What's going on? And one servant tells him, what's going on? Your brother came back. And so, not only that, there is a big feast. There is a big celebration. And so, he's not satisfied with what he hears. He wants more details. And he says, so, what's happening now? Is my brother sick? Is he healthy? Is he richer? Maybe that's the reason why there's a big celebration. Maybe he doubles the portion that he got. But that's not what happened. He's Skinner. He depends on animals' food. He has to work hard as a hard laborer. He is poorer than what you think. He lost one-third of the state wealth. But the good thing is, he's coming back. The good thing is, he is safe and sound. Usually, customarily, when there is a big celebration like that, an, an older an, an, an elder uh, of, of the family has to be there. You will be part of the, of the uh, uh, honored member of the family. You are in that position because you are part of the welcoming. Hey, welcome. 
Come in. You welcome the guests. You welcome the visitors. Everybody who are invited. And it's an honor. It's an honor to, to stand there side by side with your dad. Hey, come here. It's an honor. Everybody, welcome. It's servanthood because you're serving, but it's an honor to sit side by side with your dad, with other members of the family. And not only that, it's an honor to welcome your younger brother who had been away for a while and now is coming back. But no, he is not ready to celebrate. There's no reason for celebration. He is not happy at all. He has no joy. He feels like there is no reason to celebrate. If there is a reason, it should be because of him, of what he did. But instead of joy, there is anger, there is resentment that he feels in his heart. He refused to come in. And so one of the servants tells the dad, Hey, your older son is right down there. He's not in a welcome mood. Yes, he is. He's been with me for a long time. No, it's right out, outside, outside the house. And in that sense, he's been so close to his dad, and yet he is so far in terms of relationship. Because what he's doing is he's been working like, like a slave. He's been working like a slave. Although he is a son, you know, he is a son who has been working like a slave. He was a sinner who thought he was a saint. That's the difference. That's why in us, it used to happen as well. That sometimes we think that we are that saint. You know, but actually, we are sinners. We have so much of anger and resentment and complaints. And that makes us far away, even though we are so near to God that we sing together, we pray together, we worship together. It happened. Sometimes we live so close, we stand so, sit so close to each other. We chat, we hug. And yet, we smile, we shake hands, and yet, there's no real celebration. There's, there's no real joy. Sometimes there's more of complaints, there's more of resentment. This story is a story for us today. How close are you to each other? How far are you to each other? 
in this church or in your family. You know, in our family, we're, we're four. My son, Michael, is downstairs. My daughter, Kay, is in one room and my wife in another room. And we're just living in one house. But sometimes, we're like we're living in three different worlds. Nobody's willing to pick up the phone when the phone rings. You just say something that, can you do this and that? And as if they don't hear you, as if they're living way back in the Philippines. And they, you know, we're like that. As if, you know, you're not a family. I'm glad when we came back from our trip. Because in going there, I know we're riding in one car, but it's as if we're riding in four different cars. I know in my mind that, you know, some of us, one of us thinks about shopping, the other one thinks about the rides, the other one thinks about, you know what you're going to see there? I think about, I don't know what I'm thinking at that time, but I know I'm on a different the uh, thinking as well. But in any way, when we came back, you know, we had Kay and Michael start to do some kind of conversation and then about dating and love and ministry and doctrines and, you know, church uh, life, spiritual life. And I joined uh, the conversation my wife is listening as well, and so I feel like for the first time, you know, that we we are riding in one car. I feel like for the first time we are in one, like one family, sharing and, and, and talking. And I think that's that's what God wants. That's what God wants. This morning, I would like to end up with a story. Last night, we attended a wedding party of my niece, Eva's niece. And so we have people there who came from France and Texas and Chicago and Vancouver and Toronto and here in Ottawa and Montreal. So we were all there. It's, it's a four or five hours uh, uh, wedding party ceremony. And that's the reason why I was not able to finish the message. But I was able to see, to end up a story about that as a conclusion. That uh, what happened is one of the person or the, the father is uh, the father of the bride, which is my brother-in-law, stand because he was asked to speak. Say, can you say something? And this is what he says. He says, you know, I know Eric. Eric is the name of the groom. I know Eric for a long time. For about seven years. We visited their home. We visited our house. We worked together sometimes. We go shopping sometimes. At one point, they go vacation together. 
And for seven years, I know him. But tonight, for the first time, I think I can call him my son. So after the wedding ceremony, that's the only time officially I can call him my son. In other words, for us, it's the same thing. Most of the time, we're, we're in together, we're living together. We hug each other. And yet, sometimes we can't call really inside. can call the other person, our sister, our brother. We can do that not only here during worship, but in every ministry that we're working together, whether in small group, not only that, even in our meetings, when we had quarterly meeting, annual meeting, whatever it is. That's what God wants. A close relationship. And the only way to have that is first of all to have a close relationship with the father. For this older son, he doesn't have that. He has a close connection with the two-thirds of the inheritance. He worked so much like a slave in the farm. But in all those years, he was not able to establish a close relationship with his dad. This morning, as our challenge. I hope that when you smile, when you hug, when you shake hands, when you go back to your home, talk to your family, your parents, parents to their children. He is my son. He is my dad. And it means that you are really close to them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you because we are so much a bunch of sinners. We are people who made mistakes. We are totally separated from you because of our sins. And yet, you are so close to us because of son, your son, Jesus Christ, who died on that cross because of our sin. And Lord, this morning, we ask you to forgive us that we may find restoration of our fellowship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.